Glory. Somebody praise the Lord up in here. Come on. Glory to God. Glory to God. Uh, just a quick word about uh, liberation next week, the liberation service that we're going to have. I'm going to be describing the liberation deliverance service that we are going to offer from here moving forward at Redeeming Love. Um, and so you won't want to miss that service. We're going to describe what it is, what you can expect, um, and the biblical um, precedent for us to deliver people from, um, you know, evil oppression and why that should be happening in the church, in the church. It's church people. It's for church people. Deliverance is not for the unsaved. If you see an un unsaved person with a demon, don't deliver them. Just a, a little quick, you know. Uh, it's for church people, so don't feel bad, you know. Don't think like, oh, this isn't for me. This is for everyone. If you're a Christian, I've been through it. Um, I, in my opinion, everyone should go through it. Anyways, liberation, we'll talk all, a lot more about that la next week. Also, hey, did you guys know that we're doing um, Care Portal? Care Portal has kicked off here. Yeah, come on. This is amazing stuff. We, we, there's so much going on here at Redeeming Love. I'm, a, I'm amazed. I'm in charge, and I'm amazed. And <laughs> I'm just, I'm amazed at what the Lord is doing. He's doing awesome stuff. It's, it's so good. Uh, so I'll, I'm going to give you a brief update on Care Portal next week, but that's a ministry where we deliver goods and services to foster children in need. Uh, so we've started that. And I'll just, I want to say this, is that the reason why we're able to do so much here is because of you guys. You know, I, I don't take any credit for anything that we do. It's just, it's God's doing it. And I'm just kind of back here being like, okay, okay. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, I know I'm in charge of everything. It's my fault if it goes wrong. <laughs> and people want to give me credit when it goes right, but it's really not my fault. <laughs> Glory to God. Anyways, what an, you guys are awesome. Come on, can you give yourselves a hand? You guys are awesome. I love this church. I love this church. All right, let's get into the message. Today I want to talk to you about a worship lifestyle. We're talking about created worship. And this morning, I want to talk to you about worship lifestyle. Worship doesn't end when the song ends. I've got some news for you this morning. Worship does not end when the song ends. Let me go one step further. Worship doesn't end when you walk out the church doors. <laughs> Worship doesn't stop when you turn the radio off. Worship doesn't stop just because there's nobody around. Worship doesn't stop just because you go to work. Worship doesn't stop because you get in your car. Worship doesn't stop because you're on Hoosick Street coming to the merge. <laughs> That's when your high praises really need to go up. <laughs> when the enemy comes against you, worship all the more. <laughs> worship should become part of our lifestyle. It should just become a reaction in every area of our lives. Um, I'm going to jump right into scripture here. Ephesians uh, 5, 17 through, uh, we're going to read through uh, 20, I think. Uh, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with, with wine, which, in which is dissipation or sinful living, but be filled with the Spirit. We love that scripture. How many of us Pentecostals, we love that scripture? Be filled with the Spirit. And we all know that the word be there is actually conjugated, be being filled. Be in a continual process of being filled. Yeah. 
We know this scripture. We love this scripture. We quote it all the time. Be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. We'll actually quote it to one another. Be being filled, right? So this is, we know this scripture. Heart, right? What's the next scripture? Uh-oh. We just talked about how important it is, how much we know that we're supposed to be filled with, this, with the Spirit. The very next verse tells you how to do it. Oh, zeros. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Didn't mean that. It's just, this is good stuff. This is fun. We're just having fun today. Here's the next scripture. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to God. Speaking to one another in psalms. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How beautiful is the Lord, right? I mean, just, you just enter into his courts with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Great is the Lord, greatly is he to be praised. Great is the Lord, greatly is he to be praised. Just speak to one another in psalms. I don't know any psalms. Homework. <laughs> Homework. Hymns. What hymns do you know? Speak to one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. You guys know some spiritual songs. We just sang some. <laughs> Singing and making melody in your heart to God. We'll get into giving thanks always, and we'll, we'll get there. But I want to I stop here with the singing part. For years, I, we've sung in the house. Um, it's my wife's fault. <laughs> Good thing. She loves to sing. God started this in her when she was a small child. She loves to sing. And so she'll sing, and she'll fill the whole house. And she's done this since we were first married. And she would sing and sing and sing. And we sing worship songs all the time. And so, you know, reading scriptures like this and others, I caught on. And I'm like, okay, so I'll sing. I'll sing. I'll just sing songs. And so I sing. And I'll be, you know, whatever, you know, brushing my teeth and start singing. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'll just start singing. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Doesn't matter what song you sing. Doesn't even matter if it makes sense. I made a song up. <laughs> and my kids know it. <laughs> they know it. I, I, Jesus, living water. Jesus is my living water. I don't know why I made the song up. I don't know where I got it from. It's in scripture. Someone's recently asked me asked about songwriting, and so I have a song. <laughs> Jesus, Lord and Savior. Jesus, how good you are to me. Make up your own song. This is what David did. It's not hard. I'm not guys, if if there's anybody in the world that doesn't have musical ability, it's me. 
For years, I was told I can't carry a tune in a basket. I think I've gotten a little bit better at my singing voice. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that you agree. <laughs> I don't know who said that. <laughs> I clap off beat and I throw the drummer off. That's why they have this drown, drum surround here. It's not so much to protect you from him, it's to protect him from me. <laughs> so if I can write a song, you can write a song. Write your own song. You know, uh, there was a there was a touch by the angel, an angel touched by the touch by an angel. There was a touch by an angel show years ago, and it literally brings me to tears even now just to think about it. And I don't remember what happened in the show. I think the I think the the um, the uh, the person in the show who the angel came to visit, I think they had lost their child. I don't remember, but there's this whole turn of events. And at the very end of the song, at the very end of the show, the, uh, the, the angel girl, whatever her name is, Monica, she turns to the, the woman who had lost the child. I think this is the storyline. I mean, it could be off, but just bear with me. And she says, go write the 151st song. And I'm like, oh, oh, come on. Go write the 151st Psalm. Go do it. You've got something in your heart that God's given you. Make a song about it. Sing. It doesn't need Jesus, you're beautiful. That's not a song. I don't care. <laughs> then we start singing in tongues. It's fine. Just keep singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. As you just keep singing to the Lord, as you just keep singing to the Lord, God, God inhabits the praises of his people. You want God to get in on the scene. You want God to get where you are. You want God to come in your house. You want God to come in your room. You want God to come in your car, in your workplace. Just start singing praises to God. If you've got nothing to do, nothing to think about, sing. Nothing to do, nothing to think about. Sing. Just sing. Just make melody. I know, I know pastors who, when they travel, I don't travel, so I don't do this. I know pastors who, when they travel, they'll leave worship music playing in their room. Because the praises, although they're recorded, bring the presence of God. We'll just, we'll just throw some, some music on here and leave it play. We'll, we're always putting music on. We have the sound bar. We've got the, the other Bluetooth speaker. We've got, you know, our phones that we'll just throw on a counter someplace. We're always playing music. Always. I have tons of albums, and um, I wind up listening to YouTube. And so, excuse me, I have the YouTube premium so that I don't get the ads. But if you just click on one worship song, it goes to the next worship song, and the next worship song, and the next worship song. And the next worship song. And two hours later, it says, are you still listening? <laughs> yes, I am. Sing. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so worship isn't about this time here on a Sunday morning. It's not about when there's music playing only. There's no music around. Just start singing. Make your own melody to God. And worship doesn't even have to be about music but that's another message for another day. 
Actually, we're going to get into that here possibly a little bit in just a minute. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always, giving thanks always, giving thanks always. And so another way that we uh, be filled with the Spirit is by giving thanks always for all things to God in all things. And so you don't have to give thanks for a difficult situation, but you need to give thanks in a difficult situation. To God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So that means like when I'm singing, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So that means when I'm singing and I know it's not sounding good and somebody asks me to stop, I do. <laughs> I, I take the volume down a, down a level, right? I'll go sing someplace else. I'll put my earbuds in. John 4, 21, 22. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The woman was asking, where are we supposed to worship God? You will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, for you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And so I want to stop right here. We're going to read the rest of this uh, portion of scripture. But I want to stop here for a moment. She's asking for the place to worship. She says, do we worship here? Do we worship there? And Jesus says, the day is coming. And he says, and it now is where it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're here or if you're there or anywhere in between. That is the place to worship. This is the new temple. Our body is the new temple of God. Our body is the new temple of God. And so this is where we worship right here. This is the, this is the new spot. And so wherever this piece of flesh goes, this is where worship happens. Wherever this tent goes, this is where this happens. This is where worship happens. Wherever I bring myself, that's where worship goes. That's where we're supposed to worship. Then he says this, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. You worship what you do not know. And so it brings up a very interesting question. How well can we worship something that we don't know? How well can we worship something that we don't know? Is it possible? Is it possible? And if it is possible, how well can we do it? For we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is now is coming, and now is, and so it's right now, Jesus said it, it's now from his day until now, until it's still today, when true worshipers, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Notice it says that the Father is seeking such to worship him. God's not seeking worship. God's not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for individuals whose hearts are in a right posture towards him. That's what he's really looking for. He's looking for the right heart. It's not that he wants worship. But, it, but worship reveals our heart. I don't know that there's any better, I don't know that there's any better revelation 
to God of our heart than our posture in worship. Those who worship God, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so what we have to understand here is that we have to get our spirit. It's not about our mind, right? It's not about the externals as important as those things are. And as much as I want to see you do those things, and as much as those things are just simply an outflow of what's in here, it's not ever about externals. So I don't need you guys all to jump up and down like I do, although it might be helpful. See, when, we, when our kids were little, watch this. Uh, my, wi- my wife reminded me about this, and I'm stealing her message, so I'm sorry. But it needs to be shared. When our kids were little, and they couldn't stand, or they couldn't stand for all of worship, you know, depending on their age grade, age, age range. When they were in first grade, we made them, and she'll correct me, because I probably got the numbers wrong. But when they were in first grade, they had to stand for one song. When they were in second grade, they had to stand for two songs. When they were in third grade, they had to stand for four songs or third, three, four, four, whatever. You, you follow me. And so it was age appropriate. And we just made them physically do something so that they weren't continuing to sit there and play with their goldfish or whatever other games they might have. And what it did was it slowly introduced them to the idea of like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do in worship. And so lifting your hands, if you have to start by carrying the TV, that's fine. But, you know, you should want to move on to holding the baby. And what do we, why do we lift our hands? It says so in the Bible that God wants men everywhere to lift holy hands to God. It says over and over again how they lifted their hands to worship God. They lifted their hands and worship to God. And so why do we do this? It's like a little child saying, come, daddy, come pick me up. And so we're just saying, God, come close. God, come with your presence. This is what we say. This is what we're saying when we lift our hands. It's just a simple act of saying, God, I want more of your presence. God, I want more of your nearness. But if we stand there like this, we're never going to get our hands in the air or grip our pockets and we're like, won't do it. No, you won't. Take your hands out of your pockets. Uh Uh-oh, he's carrying the TV. It's, it's about getting our spirit, but sometimes when our spirit has not been in the cycle, we need to get our flesh to help us get there. Sometimes we need to do things in our natural man that will cause our spirit to wake up. When you are so hungry because you haven't eaten food, appetite disappears. And if you don't know how to do something in the spiritual realm, sometimes you need the natural realm to begin to, be, to, to, begin to kickstart that spiritual realm. So don't be afraid to lift your hands. There's no judgment here. Worship with our spirit. And so in every way that we worship, it's about connecting our heart with God's heart. I dance wildly before the Lord because my heart is connected with the Lord. Now, I've I've been uh, enlightened, right? It says that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And so I will dance before the Lord with all of my might. All. 
all. And what I realized was somebody was sharing with me, they're older than I am. And so when they dance with the Lord, before the Lord with all of their might, it's more like this. And this is all of their might. And I'm like, okay, all right. As long as that's all of your might, I'm fine with that. Just, just go. I've been enlightened. You don't have to worship like I do. Joking, come on, come on, laugh. All right, it wasn't funny. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so one aspect of truth is what the message that Ariana brought a few weeks ago. One message that, uh, one aspect of truth is that we have to come to God with everything that's true about us. We come to, true, we come to God with everything, all of our hurts, all of our pains, all of our disappointments, all of our victories, every single thing that we have, all of our junk, and we come and we're real with God. God, this is, this is uh, something that happened this week and I'm having a hard time with it, God. You might as well tell him anyways. I mean, he already knows, but he wants you to tell him. He wants you to share it with him. He wants you to be real with him. You know, I, I, I say all the time, I can't, I can't steer you until you're moving, right? Well, God can't fix you until you tell him. It's not that he can't do it. It's that he won't do it. He's waiting for you. There's something that you have to do on your, your end. Just be real with God. This is a quick summation of Ariana's message. Be real with God. The other aspect of worshiping in truth is that we have to worship God as he truly is. We have to worship God as he truly is. And so if we go back to the previous scripture in verse, um, in verse 22, he says, you worship what you do not know. How well do we know God? This can become an issue. This will become an issue. Because if we're going to worship God in truth, then we have to truly know who he is. We have to truly understand who he is. And the level to which you understand the goodness of God determines your worship level. Because if you believe that God's not good, then why would you worship someone who's not good? We're mentally ingrained in us because we were created to worship that we're going to worship that which is good because we're, we have this deposit from the Lord. But God is good. He's the most good thing that we can conceive. But we bring indictments and we bring wrong thinking and we bring all of our history to bear in a moment of worship and our worship becomes non-authentic or not, uh, not even non-authentic. It just becomes not as full as it could possibly be. It becomes not as full as it could be. When we have wrong thinking about God, when we, when we, have, when we blame God for stuff, when we have disappointments and we're mad at God because of it, it, it limits our worship. It limits our ability to break through. It limits our ability to touch his heart. Why would you want to touch his heart if you feel like he did something? God is not the creator of evil. He doesn't do evil things. People do evil things when they disobey God. Evil happens. I want to challenge you this week. Analyze yourself. Go through your worship. The next time you're worshiping, 
and decide, you know, is there something here in the way? Is there something that I have against God? Is there something that I'm believing wrong about God? I've got a couple of scriptures here that I want to share, but before I do, I just want to um, share with you a little bit of my thought process. When I first got saved, um, the, the word of God was stressed in its importance, and I love to stress the word of God, so you need to read this. You need to get it in you. And um, I quickly read the New Testament probably 12 times. I don't know how long that took. I'm not saying I read it in a year, but I, I quickly read the New Testament at least a dozen times, maybe more. I didn't, I, the Old Testament, I've, I've read that a couple, but there's a lot of books that I don't like to read, and I'll skip them. I've, I read Lamentations for the second time in my life recently. <laughs> I've been saved 30 years. But the New Testament, I read 12 times within a, within a year. And so very quickly, I came to an understanding of the overall, I wasn't able to um, uh, commit it all to memory immediately. I don't have that kind of a brain. It's not that good. But I remembered a lot of scriptures. And so immediately I came to a place where I had a, a, what I would call as a really good understanding of who God is just because I understood the scriptures. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you find life, but they are that which points to me. And so as we read through the New Testament specifically, we're going to get a better idea of who God is. And so in my passion to find God more, more deeply, I wanted to read the word over and over and over again. And so I read it over and over and over and again. And I came to this place where I really, uh, I, I knew God, I knew a lot about God. But what I realized is that I have to take every thought that I have, that I think that I might know. And if I can't find it in scripture then I have to take that thought about what I might think and I have to put it down and I have to say, I don't know if that's God. We have to take these thoughts. We have, the, we have to take these thoughts that are in our mind that we can't find supported in scripture. And we have to take these thoughts about what we think about God and we have to lay them on the altar. And we say, I think this I don't know that it's true, and I can't find anything in Scripture, but God, you tell me about that. You tell me about that. And God says, that's not me. Are we willing to take our thought process and submit it to God? This is submission. This is submission. I was reading uh, earlier this week, and I was just reading about Paul, and I'm like, man, that's submission. That guy, that guy, I will willingly, at Philippians 3, I will willingly suffer all the more. Whatever the Lord wants, this is God's will. Yeah, I know that they're going to bind me, and they want to kill me in Jerusalem, but I'm going there anyways because that's what Jesus told me to do. I don't have a choice anymore. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And so every thought that I might think about who God is or isn't, if I can't support it in the word, then I'm going to set it aside. Who is God? Do we know who he is? You guys know that I'm all about this. A.W. Tozer, in his preface in the book, Knowledge of the Holy, he says, every uh, 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 poor knowledge of God is the reason for a thousand lesser sins among Christians. 
There's a thousand other sins that you commit just simply because you don't think about God right. I'm going to get my thinking about God right. And if I have a thought that I don't know, I'm throwing it out. Above all else, I'm going to believe one thing. I'm going to believe that God is good. I may look at circumstances and the world will tell me the exact opposite. But I am going to believe because the word tells me God is good. God is good. God is good. If you being evil then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who love him? God is a good God. And if we will not stop bringing indictment against him, bringing accusation against him, then we limit ourselves. I don't want to be limited. Actually, I want to, I want to do everything I can to take the limitations off. <laughs> <laughs> I want, we're seeing here healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to see more. I want to see more. I've got this handkerchief. <laughs> Jesus said, the, these, the, the things that I do, these things shall you also do. If, if Paul did it, if Paul did it, not ready to hand my handkerchief out yet. I haven't got faith for it yet. Let me get it a little more sweaty. Maybe now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come on. Laugh. Uh, who is God? Who do you believe him to be? What thoughts do you have when you worship? We need to come with the trueness of our heart, and we need to come with the trueness of who he is. And when we come to the place where we're real in our heart and we're willing to lay down wrong thinking about God, that's the place of victory. That's the place of being lifted up. That's the place of being empowered. That's the place of destroying the strongholds of the enemy. That's the place. That's the place. When we fully submit, submission's difficult for us Americans. It's difficult, really difficult. I have rights. I'm sure you do. You have the right to be offended, but at what cost? Because it's going to cost you something. You have the right to hold on to unforgiveness, but at what cost? It's going to cost you something. I have a right to be bitter, but at what cost? It's going to cost you something. Yeah. I have a right to hold a grudge, but at what cost? That'll cost you dearly. I have a right to think anything I want. You do. But at what cost? It'll cost you dearly. I've made the decision in my life that I will let nothing stand in the way between me and my relationship with God. Nothing. And so if it's not in the word, it's not for me. And if it doesn't line up with the word, then we need to throw it out. Wrong thinking has to go. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. I, I'm getting it wrong. Turn there. I beseech you, therefore... Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service, reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you may be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want my mind transformed. I want my mind, I want my thinking to be transformed. 
The word transform there is the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis from. When a caterpillar goes into the cocoon and then comes back out, its DNA is different. It's not the same thing that it walked in as. It's no longer the same. I don't want to look the way that I looked yesterday. I want to be transformed. I want to be metamorphosized. I want to be shifted in my thinking to come into alignment with God. Glory. And I know that as we all come to worship, we all bring baggage. We bring hurts. We bring disappointments. We bring things that didn't happen. We bring things that we stood in faith for and we didn't see. And so the reality becomes, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? People with hope, people that have hope, have the ability to reinvest their faith when they've put their faith out and they're disappointed and they don't get what they want or they don't get the answer that they thought they did. Hope people have the ability to reinvest their faith and say, hey, God's still in this. I didn't get the answer that I want, but God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so I didn't get the answer that I thought I would get, but God's going to give me something even better. That's hope people, definition at its finest. Faith people without hope are weird. Faith people without hope get weird because we're all going to get disappointed. We're all going to pray for something that's not going to come. And how we deal with that determines more about who we're going to be than the things that we get. When we pray for something and we get an answer to prayer quickly, it has the ability to build our faith. When we pray for something and we don't get something quickly, it has the ability to grow our faith even stronger. When we don't get something, when we pray for something and we don't get it at all, it has the potential to either cause our faith to go in a bad direction or to make it grow even stronger. And there's options all the way along the way. And so we, we all bring our stuff. We all bring things that happen. We all bring these prayers that maybe got answered, maybe go unanswered. And are we willing to lay those things down and just say, Jesus, I don't understand a lot. It, it amazes me. We're launching all these ministries and we've got all this stuff going on and God's doing awesome things. People are being healed as they're coming out of deliverance. Uh, healings here as we pray for people. It's fantastic. And so God's on the move. He's doing fantastic things. And there's still things that I don't understand. And actually, it seems to me, it seems to me that the more I grow and know and understand, the more questions I have and the more I don't understand. But this is the walk of faith at its finest. The walk of faith isn't a walk of understanding. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of not understanding, but I'm going anyways. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham, come on out. I'm going to make a mighty nation of you. He gets to the end of the property. He's like, all right, Lord, where am I going? He says, that way. Okay. 
It's not a walk of understanding. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message which you have heard from him, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. There's no evil in God at all. He doesn't know how to think evil thoughts. He's only good. He's only good. He's only good. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God. More and more, the more I look, the more I see. Everything, everything that I have comes from God. Psalm 136, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. He is good, and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes, O Lord. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes, O God. John 10, 10, and 11. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As we were worshiping um, today, and the second, so second song, Breakthrough, um, we were singing that song, Breakthrough, There Will Be Victory. And I got this picture. <laughs> I got this picture in my mind of one of those historical marker signs that you see along the highway, right? You guys seen them, right? They're most, usually they're blue and they've got a little yellow line all the way around the edge. And it says, on this date, you know, this happened at this location. You guys familiar with what I'm talking about? Those signs, roadside signs? And I saw one of those. I saw one of those as we were in worship, and I'm like, Lord. And, and, and what was quickly apparent to me was that there would be a sign here. I don't know, maybe we need to drill a hole and put one out right out front. But there is a sign over this place that this is the place where God has made a way. This is the place where God has worked miracles. This is the place where God has kept his promises. This is the place where God has poured out his light into my darkness. Amen. This is the place. It's already happened. There is victory here. There, we are, we're going to put up a historical marker and say, God did something here. God did something here. Through worship. Through worship. Simply through worship. I mean, we could give credit to everything else, whatever. Simply through worship, the victory of the Lord. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to end with worship today. Victory. There will be victory. And so even as Elizabeth brought the word this morning, and even as uh, Amy shared that word this morning, I want you to, you're in that river I was the only one who jumped in. Elizabeth said that, and she said, here's this river, and I jumped right in. I want you to jump in the river this morning. You got to let go of the rock. I know, I took it literally. Like where she pointed was the river. But come on. Will you let go of the rock? Will you let go of the thinking that you've held? Will you let go of the things that you think about God that aren't true? And will you just worship him from a pure heart?
Will you worship him not knowing? God, I don't know, but I'm going to worship you anyways. And God, I pray that you would reveal your truth to me, that you would reveal your strength to me. And when they had laid, you guys can start to play. That was really good what you were playing before. I don't know how long I'll be able to continue to um, worship or preach with you playing, but that's okay. <laughs> It'll help me in. Acts 16, verse 23 and 24. And when they had laid many stripes on them, and they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Talking about Paul and Silas. And so after they had beaten them severely, Paul and Silas, they're beaten. They are locked on the inner chamber with shackles around their feet. And so what's their response? What do you think their response is? <laughs> they began to sing. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to all of the songs that were being sung. Notice that the prisoners weren't, weren't singing along. The prisoners were listening. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were, were shaken and immediately all of the doors, not just Paul and Silas's doors, all of the doors, everywhere their voices went, all of the doors were opened. And so I don't care if it's not my voice and if I'm not even in the room, I'm going to let it play. Because all of the doors are going to be opened and all of the shackles are going to be removed. And so this is the kind of worship that we need to bring this morning. Worship God not knowing. Worship God by bringing our thinking that we're unsure of, even wrong thinking, things that we know that are wrong, accusations that we can't let go of, unforgiveness that's in our heart, bitterness. Lay it down. Will you lay it down? Immediately all of the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. There was a victory. There was a mighty victory. There was a mighty victory. There was a mighty victory. And why? Why was there a victory? Because in the worst moments of their life, Paul and Silas chose to worship and pray. Chose to worship and pray. Chose to worship God. God, how could this happen? God, how could you let this happen? That wasn't their thoughts. Their thoughts were, man, God is good. I'm going to worship him. Talk about a bad day. They were beaten, thrown in jail, in the inner prison, and shackles put on their body. Hey, let's worship God. I have rights. I'll gladly surrender my rights that the presence of God might come in my life. God, we just want more of you. God, we want your presence. God, we love what you're doing here, and we just want more of it. God, we want to worship you. God, we want to worship you with our whole hearts, with a true heart. God, we want to know you as you truly are. God, we want every wrong thought in our mind to go in Jesus' name. God, every wrong thought of God to go in Jesus' name. 
that we would worship you pure, unabandoned, without restraint, not caring who's looking. God, bring us higher. God, bring us higher. God, bring us higher. Come on, stand to your feet.